Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back to the one and only CR podcast, folks. Minimum liberty loving Americans. This is Blaze Media. Daniel Horowitz back in the house today. After a brief hiatus this week, I've been chomping at the bit to get back in front of this microphone to be together with you, not just for entertainment or even information, but to create a movement. And boy, if there was ever a time when we needed a movement, now is it. Now is when that iron is in the fire. Strike it while it's hot. God has given us some momentum in the fight against COVID fascism. We're kind of like a patient that just got out of the ICU, still very sick. And we need to make sure we fully recover. But then also that we're inoculated in the future from such COVID fascism or other public health emergency fascism. So we're going to talk about for the next number of days on and off. Certainly, if other things come up, we'll deviate from that schedule. But we are going to talk about the legal, political, electoral solutions. Remember, this is not over by a long shot, depending on where you are. And even if it is, as I mentioned on Monday, there is a lot more we can do to truly inoculate ourselves with a vaccine that will actually work to stop the tyranny. So later today, we are going to have um, Brian Festa, one of our favorite civil civil rights attorneys, on to discuss where things stand with the fight for masking children in school and vaccines, mandatory vaccines. This is going on throughout the country. Laws are being violated. Human rights are still being violated. So we definitely need to deal with that. Now, there also is a bunch of crime stuff. That's the other issue I really want to continue talking about. Uh, Look, I've had robberies right around the corner from me. Nice neighborhood. And this is the worst it's ever been since I've lived here. And this is happening everywhere, everywhere in America. Um, We have this uh, four-year-old boy snatched out uh, out of his bed in a home. 18-year-old suspect, black suspect, taking a white boy, brutally killing him. Imagine if the races were reversed. Well, that's where we are in America today. Crime is out of control. Larry Krasner, the DA of Philadelphia, the Soros DA, he won by 2-1, to 3-1 to one or something last night. They had these primary elections, and... Look, some of it, it's hard to know how much you could even trust elections anymore because there were a lot of problems in Pennsylvania last night with the primary elections for the municipal judicial referendum elections. We'll talk about that. A lot of people forgot it was a big election day in a couple of states, but certainly Pennsylvania. But all this means is that you have to evacuate from big cities, avoid them like the plague. 
They're done. They are lost. You will never get them back. And last night's re-election of Larry Krasner, I mean, renomination for the Democrat nomination, but it means he's re-elected, that certainly cements that reality. And folks, that's why I need you guys to support our sponsor, We the People Holsters, not just because they're a sponsor to your favorite show, but to save your life. I am still shocked at how many people spend a lot of money on firearms, and certainly ammo's a fortune now, and they don't even own a holster. Certainly people that don't carry, but even if you don't carry, even just for home defense, you need to have that ability to draw properly from a holster, to practice, and to even wear it around your house. But certainly, I mean, if you're in a state where you could carry, you should be carrying, and you need a safe and secure holster starting at just 40 bucks. We the People holsters are custom molded to fit your firearm exactly. They have thousands of options, right-handed, left-handed, inside the waistband, outside the waistband, pretty much for every gun that is made. Um, They also have cool printed hoodies and t-shirts as well as important EDC tactical gun belts that you're going to want to get with your um with your holster you need a secure gun belt uh every holster and gun belt comes with a lifetime guarantee you get an extra $10 off with offer code CR uh those of you who are coming on the May 30th or June 6th trip at constitutioncoach.com to Front Sight Nevada if you still haven't ordered your holster, make sure you go to wethepeopleholsters.com slash CR. Again, that's wethepeopleholsters.com slash CR. Offer code CR for an extra $10 off. Do not go unprotected. All right. So there is a lot going on here. And I want to continue on Monday's theme, inoculating ourselves from future fascism, and dealing with the leftovers, the residual effects of COVID fascism. It's not over with. Remember, you got airplanes. You got a lot of workers are still being required to wear them. Um, You got hospitals and doctors where people are really the sickest. You know, think about it. Oh, Daniel, well, that's medical. Of course you could wear a mask. No. If you're vaccinated, you're vaccinated. If the vaccines work, they work. Now, of course, you know it has nothing to do with that. It's all herd immunity. Texas reported just today not a single death in the entire state of Texas, even the way we count them. And they've been that way for three months, really. They've barely had anything for three months. Fewest COVID cases in over 13 months. Lowest seven-day case rate ever. Lowest COVID hospitalizations in 11 months. They ended the restrictions 10 months ago. All the states in the Northeast that that didn't have greater spread because it is all natural herd immunity. That's, That's what it is. We were proven right from day one. It's time we have this data put forth in litigation in every federal district in the country. We're going to talk about that again with our guest a little later. But the most immediate fight, as we mentioned, is the children. This is not ending. I want to play for you two inspirational clips. I'm sure a lot of you have heard this already. But two kids, both in Florida, one on the West Coast, one on the East Coast, speaking out at a school board meeting. And and this is very heartening. We need more of this. Bring your children to school board meetings. There's a lot more focus on school board elections. 
this is where the civilization will be won or lost, at least in red counties. And these are red counties. So I want you to listen to the first clip. Sarah Cook, an eight-year-old girl from Collier County. This is Naples, Florida area. Take a listen. Hello, my name is Sarah Cook, and I do not like these masks. And this building is about, like, I forgot his name, but he... But the black, but he saved the black people and, and like to be free so they didn't have to do certain things. And we need to be free too. It's not the, just the black people that have to be free. Everybody has to be free. And these masks are just terrible. And I remember I saw Mr. Fishburne pulling his masks under his nose. And I'm pretty sure that was your rule. And these masks are horrible. Like, and one of my friends said that his friend fainted because of a mask. Like, wow, wow, congrats. And you don't even know how these other kids feel. They're breathing in the same dirty air, and my cousin said they're afraid to take off the masks. Great job. You're creating public schools with fearful children. Wow. I'm so proud of you guys. Wow. 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 Amazing. And I don't think barely anybody likes masks in schools. Their children are suffocating. You don't know what it feels like. And just, it's nonsense. Seriously. Like, why would you do that? Why in the world would you do that? And and God created us so we can be free people. And we're not being free here. All at public schools. Okay? So I would take your masks off as if I were you. And, and I'm not wearing a mask right now, and I never will as much as I can. And, and George Washington made America so we could be free citizens of the United States of America. And the Statue of Liberty is for liberty and freedom, and we're not free. So maybe you just don't believe in George Washington or God, or like the boss of you or someone is controlling you. Stand up and take these masks off these children. Don't be afraid. And we voted you to be the school board members we wanted you to be. Okay, so please make the schools better, not worse. Goodbye. Folks, I love that. <laughs> Wasn't it funny? She said, <laughs> freedom is not just for black people. I mean, she meant it because, you know, the school was named, I guess, Martin Luther King or whatever. But again, folks, remember, this is Collier County. This is a Trump plus 25 county. And this was just a week ago or something. So they were still doing this there. Even with DeSantis's leadership. I mean, we have still had this in the reddest counties in school. And in some, we're still going to have that. So this fight is not over. The political battle, the electoral battle, and the legal battle, we need to fight on all three fronts. Now, the next clip here is a 10-year-old named John in Martin County. This is on the east coast of Florida. Again, a Trump plus, I don't know, 25 or so county north of Palm Beach. And still, evidently, as of a week ago, they still had mass mandates. Take a listen to John. I just turned 10 years old, and I am a fourth grader at Felix A. Williams. I expected school to be a little bit different in the beginning, but I didn't think it would stay this way all year long. And I was surprised by the rules. 
A lot of them didn't make any sense to me, like the fact that we were not allowed to play on the playground or have student council, or turn to face each other at lunch, and we also have to wear masks outside at PE and on track. I love my school and all, but my teachers seem really stressed, and that makes me feel bad. One teacher walks around with a clipboard full of referrals for any student whose mask isn't on properly. It makes me feel scared. That same teacher yells at us having our masks down to drink water while we are outside in Carline. She told us we had to wait until we were in our parents' car to have a drink of water. She had her mask down the entire time while she was yelling at us, which makes me and all my friends very mad. This happens a lot. And it seems unfair teachers take their masks off while they're... Yell, while they yell at us kids and that we need to pull ours up, I asked my mom if there is a word for this, and she said there is. Hypocrisy. Wearing a mask all day makes me feel really tired and gives me really bad headaches. Sometimes I'm at school and I need to lay low in the dark until they're gone. My mask also sticks to my face when it's really hot, and it makes it hard to breathe. I feel like I can't catch my breath, and that makes me feel claustrophobic and anxious. It's really stressful. I finished taking all of my FSAs, and I had a hard time focusing with a mask on. A few weeks ago, I ran into my teacher outside of school. She didn't even recognize me because she's never seen my face before. But I knew it was her because she sits at her desk a lot without a mask on. I know my teacher has asthma and everything, but I understand why it's hard for her to wear a mask. And I think she should have that choice. But I should too. I have allergies and I feel really anxious with my face covered. But I'm not allowed a mask break like her. It seems unfair. All this seems unfair and it doesn't make sense. I miss seeing people's face. I miss the way things used to be. I'm scared they'll never go back to normal. Breathing freely doesn't seem like something we should have to ask any other people for permission for. Please make masks optional today. It would be so awesome to end the school year on a really happy note like that. Thank you for your time. Again, wasn't that terrific? Breathing freely doesn't seem to be like something we have to ask other people's permission for. That simple, eloquent statement from a fourth grader needs to be codified in law Everywhere in our never again legislation, I'm going to have a column out today with language, very broad language of how I think the bill needs to be drafted. But, you know, there's I'm sure there's things I'm missing and things that could be written better. I didn't write it, you know, with a legal pen. I wrote it more as a political document, but it is something that needs to be used in every county, every state. And this is one simple statement. We don't need permission to breathe freely, because remember, even where we can now It's because we now have permission. That is not freedom. Now, one good piece of news here as to where we are. So it was terrible news out of Philadelphia last night with Larry Krasner getting renominated. But the good news is there was question one and two, the ballot referendums. This is statewide. The first time we ever had the opportunity for the people to weigh in, for the people to finally weigh in, On COVID fascism, a popular referendum vote, um, basically question number one was to, to allow the legislature through concurrent resolution to nullify any emergency 
order issued by the governor. And number two is question two, which limited any order to 21 days unless the legislature affirmatively extends it. Okay, so it's not perfect. It's not like the constitutional amendment that I'm proposing in every state and county, but this is pretty solid. It looks like it's on its way to passing by maybe a nine-point margin. Now, there's still outstanding votes, so you never know if we're going to have another one of these deals. But they did say in Philadelphia it was running way ahead of typical Republican votes. In other words, you know, like 30% of the people in Philadelphia were supporting it. Now, mind you, the margin was probably much higher because of the cheating. Just to, you know, diverge a little bit from COVID fascism today, this is from the Washington Examiner. Voting machines across Pennsylvania County not accepting Republican ballots in local races. Remember, this is a primary. So you have Republican primaries, you have Democrat primaries, you have to request a party ballot. But once you have the ballot, each one has the same statewide referendums. That was a referendum statewide. Sometimes they do this and have them on primary ballots. So basically, the Fayette County Bureau of Elections told KDKA that several precincts were having difficulty scanning barcodes on all ballots. And several voters told the outlet that the Republican ballots were not accepted. Chris Varney, an election judge, told the outlet the issue was initially believed to be affecting all ballots, but officials then determined the problem only affected Republican ballots. Both Republicans and Democrats are vying for the position of recorder of deeds, jury commissioner, magisterial district judge, city council members, and several school board seats. Although turnout for off-year elections is traditionally low, the chairman of the Fayette County Democrat Party said he's hoping for a turnout that's high. But basically, folks, if Republican ballots weren't accepted more than Democrat ones, then that means that by definition, the number of people voting yes on these referendums were was lower than they probably should have been. And still it won by nine points. This is very significant. This is the first time 15 months, finally, the people got a say in a state, and they voted to limit the governor's powers. But this is something that needs to be done really through the legislatures. I'll take pop- popular referendum if that's what we can get. I like representative democracy better, but I'll take that. It needs to be done in every state. It needs to be done everywhere. But again, what is going on with school children is a crime, and it's still happening. Do you know now that 600,000 12 to 15-year-olds in this country in just a matter of a week have been vaccinated for nothing? According to the FDA's own study of children, out of 1097 vaxxed kids, 708 reported headaches, 555 chills, 355 muscle pain, 215 fever, 173 joint pain, 29 vomiting. Vomiting is pretty nasty, and, and these are the minor symptoms. But they don't get anything from COVID. Very rarely do they vomit from it. Why are we doing this to them? Why are we doing this to the children? 600,000 of them, all from misinformation. And now they want to leverage the masking to get them to vaccinate. They're going to say either a mask or a vaccine. Mind you, 
even if Pfizer is 97% effective, which it's not, children under 18, unvaccinated, are still less vulnerable than vaccinated people 30 years old, and 30-year-olds you know, aren't vulnerable, and they are 100 times less at risk than 75-year-olds post-vaccination. That is a fact. It's a fact if you take 97%, you give Pfizer 97% effectiveness, that 3% breakthrough will harm adults much more than children. And that's where we are. But again, this has nothing to do with vaccines or masks. It's all about herd immunity, built-up immunity. If you have it, then it's not going to spread regardless of the variants. If you don't have it yet, it's going to keep spreading regardless of what you do. Fauci admitted over the weekend, even though, quote, this is a quote from him, even though there are breakthrough infections with vaccinated people, almost always the people are asymptomatic and the level of virus is so low, it makes it extremely unlikely, but very, very low likelihood that they're going to transmit it. So when it comes to asymptomatic vaccination, he goes back to the science and admits asymptomatic don't spread. And by the way, a couple months ago, CDC accidentally put this in a, in a paper. They said, oh, the reason why kids likely don't spread it much, first of all, they just admitted kids don't spread it, is because they're usually asymptomatic. <laughs> but here we are continuing to mandate kids wear a mask in most schools. And if it's not in school, it's on the bus. Still by CDC, we need a federal lawsuit against that. But again, we're not seeing this much. And of course, the tragic deaths of suicides by making kids constantly live in fear. According to California's Department of Health, 24% increase in the number of suicides during this past school year. Okay, compared to an 11% decrease the previous year. In other words, suicides were actually headed down on a positive trajectory. You could see a hockey stick shape on a graph. Children under 18, 24% increase in the number of suicides. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code POD. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. And all for what? Even, by the way, what Phil Kirpin calculated with the risk to kids, that was using the recorded numbers, which are inflated. There's an unbelievable story out today in the New York mag, of all places. New research suggests the number of kids hospitalized for COVID is being overcounted. There are two new research papers out that study children in California. Papers are both published in the Journal of Hospital Pediatrics. Found that pediatric hospitalization for COVID-19 were overcounted by at least 40%. Dr. Monica Gandhi, an infectious disease specialist, University of California, and Amy Beck. They wrote, taken together, these two studies underscore the importance of clearly distinguishing between children hospitalized with SARS-CoV-2 found on universal testing versus those hospitalized for COVID. 
The studies demonstrate they said they that reported hospitalization rates greatly overstated the true burden of COVID-19 disease in children. Gandhi told the Intelligencer that while the studies were both conducted with data from California hospitals, there is no reason to think these findings would be exclusive to California. So we are continuing this lie when even the infinitesimal number of children hospitalizations was believed to be overstated by 40%, which makes sense because the less at risk you are, the more that this counting everything just because you test positive, but you're in there with another thing is going to affect you. Meaning the younger you are, the more likely it's a BS designation of a COVID hospitalization and subsequently a COVID death too. So this is where we are here. It is truly unbelievable. Unbelievable. The second study looked at the fifth largest hospital in America. Out of 146 recorded listing patients as positive for SARS-CoV-2, 40% were incidental diagnosis. So this is where we are. This is utterly insane that we are doing this to our children still, even after all of this. So we have, the, the amount of data that we have for a lawsuit is unbelievable now. We have their own statements. We have everything. We need lawsuits up the wazoo. Obviously, we need my never again legislation. I talked about on Monday. I have a column out today. You could look at it, push it with all of your state and county officials with our Liberty Strike Force teams. If you haven't signed up for one of our teams, go to conaction.network. And then electorally, Janice McGeehan, lieutenant governor of Idaho, who from day one publicly opposed and and rallied against the lockdown measures of her governor from her same party. They weren't the same ticket, but uh, Brad Chicken Little in Idaho, she announced she is challenging him in a primary. This should be all hands on deck. All hands on deck. So this is definitely something we're going to talk about. I want to get Janice on the show as well. Now with us today to explore where those vulnerabilities are, where we are still sick with this virus of tyranny, where we need some early therapeutics, some resuscitation, some inoculation, is none other than Brian Festa. He was with us a couple weeks ago. Um, He's one of the few civil rights attorneys in this country that's actually trying to apply the Constitution and the law to basic human rights, particularly with school children. And, you know, he's from Connecticut. He sued on behalf of school children being forced to wear masks. Um, he was also involved with a woman who had her child taken away in a custody battle because she didn't wear a mask outdoors. Again, dramatic, life altering things happening with no evidentiary standards, no strict or even intermediate scrutiny applied to what they're doing. And where are the lawyers? Now, it's very hard. Uh, Very few want to take up the case. There's no money in it. Um, As we've learned from different aspects of law, that if you are regarded as going against the grain, no one wants to take your case anymore. So Brian started WeThePatriotsUSA.org. Check it out. It's a network where he's trying to just put together lawyers to meet people's demands. We're getting a lot of people emailing us that have disability claims, they have um, 
you know, they're, they're workers, they're customers, and even as that goes out the window, but we still have certainly the workers, people need to see a, a, a physician. What if you're like my mother-in-law, you're suffering, um, you know, cognitive decline, dementia, and, and, and they sit and force you to wear a mask when they're already vaccinated, when there's no evidence they work, when they already have a mask themselves. How do they do this? Who's going to stand on our behalf? Well, Brian is fighting on our behalf, and it's an honor to have Brian back here today. Hey, how you doing? Hi, Daniel. Thanks for having me back on. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I thought, like, yeah, I guess maybe it's not so important to have you on again um, based on the news that has taken place over the last half a week. And then I start to realize, wait a minute, this is not over by a long shot. So could you go over where you see are the biggest fights where we, we, we are not winning, at least not yet, and where there is a need to grow your organization, have people donate to we the PatriotsUSA.org so we have a permanent cadre of attorneys that are willing to take on these cases. Yeah, I mean, this is not over by a long shot. Uh, every day we are being inundated with emails, texts, calls from people who are just, you know, really, really feeling the pressure, feeling uh, the uh, overwhelming sense of dread um, that's coming from all sides of this. It's not just the government. People's employers are saying you have to get the COVID vaccine. I hesitate to even call it a vaccine, but we'll call it a shot. We have to get the COVID shot or you're going to be fired. Um, that's happening everywhere. We're being told here in Connecticut that school children still have to wear masks. As you mentioned, we filed a lawsuit against the state. School children still have to wear masks because most of them haven't been able to get the shot yet. So then Governor Lamont said, okay, well, in the fall, assuming most of them have been vaccinated, then those who have received the shot won't have to wear masks, but implying that the others, of course, still will. So this isn't going to end. They're going to predicate the uh, removal of masks on receiving this highly experimental and dangerous uh, COVID-19 shot. And, and, and I, I don't want to get into that right here. There's a lot of information people can find on our website. We've done broadcasts about this. But the discrimination is very real, and it's continuing in all sectors, schools, secondary schools, colleges, I'm getting so, so many messages from parents whose children are, can't go to college unless they get the shot. So, and, and the masking is continuing. Again, the, the governors are leaving it up to individual businesses, as we've seen all across the country. There's still many businesses that are still saying you can't enter here without a mask. They're not going to let this go. They've never had so much power in their lives, and they're enjoying it. No, exactly, exactly. And And I think the broader point that you're making is, a lot of us were like, oh, okay, that's covered by the EUA statute. Oh, that's covered by ADA. We don't have to worry about that. But as we've seen, there is a COVID um, exception to fundamental rights, to statute, to anything, to, to natural law, to basic decency. Um, we, we have just overrode everything for COVID. So they're doing it illegally. They're doing it anyway. And we, we're not finding enough lawsuits on this. I think the vaccine thing is really real. Even if the mask stuff another couple days, a week or so does fall, the dominoes continue to drop. The point you're making is that at the very least, they're going to leverage the vaccine against it. 
and they're going to require that. And they'll say, well, it's emergency use. Okay, but they do it anyway. So we're going to need people pounding the pavement. What are some of the big cases that either you're involved with now or that you're seeing looming? So one is a case that I just mentioned or, or the kind of case that I just mentioned is employment. I mean, that's a, a huge um, developing area that we're going to need to pursue because people are losing their jobs or are being threatened right now. Either take this or you will lose their, your job. So we're getting to a point um, where this is going to reach a uh, fever pitch and we're going to have to be bringing lawsuits all over the country against employers who think that they can get away with this, who think that it's okay to mandate an experimental emergency use authorized product on their employees. They're dead wrong, by the way. The law does not support that conclusion, um, and, and, and we will fight that uh, in every sector of employment. And then in schools, too. So you mentioned our school mask lawsuit. That continues. We're waiting for a final decision uh, in the trial court, and uh, we are fully prepared to appeal this uh, all the way through. Um, and, you know, we are going to uh, continue to fight for children, most of all, uh, children who are going to be discriminated against because they didn't get the shot. They're going to be identified now, Daniel. You're going to be readily identified as someone who did not take the shot. If you go into school, the only people who are going to be required to still wear masks are those who didn't get the shot. So guess what? Everyone's going to know that child's health information. This is going to create a lot of opportunities for bullying. And, you know, many of the people, it's not just a religious objection, although many children and parents do have religious objection to getting the shot, but it's also a medical exemption. So you have children with severe disabilities that can't get the shot. They're already targets of bullying and harassment. And now they're going to be the only ones with the mask on too. So everyone's going to know that they're unvaccinated. So it's, it's going to just, I mean, we're going to have to fight back in a very, very big way to protect these kids. Um, you know, we have something called the Patriot Support Network. I think I mentioned it the first time I was on. That's where people should go to donate. Uh, or you can just go to our regular website, wethepatriotsusa.org. There's a link there to the Patriot Support Network. And you can donate, and there's a link to just give a general donation. We are a 501c3 nonprofit, so um, you know, tax, you know, ch check with your tax preparer. But um, it should be tax deductible. All gifts to our organization, um, because we, it's going to take a lot of money to fight back. That's our biggest, on, honestly, that's our biggest stumbling block right now. We have the lawyers all lined up, ready to do this. We've identified the patriot lawyers in this country who are ready to do this. But they, this is going to take up pretty much all of their time, because there's so many of these cases waiting to be filed, they can't work full time for us for nothing. I mean, obviously, exactly. they need to get paid. So so that's why this is so important. I, I didn't come on just to talk about money. I came on to talk about freedoms and how we're being attacked in the masks, um, this, this hysteria, this mask hysteria that, that continues to plague us. But I do just want to mention it because that's been the biggest hurdle. You know, I come on these shows, we talk about everything we're doing, but I have to turn a lot of people away. I mean, every week I get these emails, please help me, please help me, please help me. But if the funds aren't there, our lawyers aren't going to take action. So um, that's the biggest thing right now that, that we need. But um, yeah, this has to stop because I know you believe that this is just uh, the masks were a mean to an end and the masks were just the beginning, not the end. Um, this, this, this is not going away, as we said, and we have to keep fighting. So we have to be proactive 
because every time they take one of our freedoms away and we let them, then that tees them up to take another one and another one and another one. I, I always say, you know, um, the difference between removing 100% of a tumor and 95% of a tumor is 100%. It's everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's what it is with with tyranny. Once you have those seeds still there, they could draw upon it any time, even if they get rid of it completely, which, again, we have the school children, we have the airplanes, and that includes two-year-olds going on airplanes. That is still continuing. Um, even the busing of children to school, even in the red states where they're not doing it or they took it off, but you have the busing that that somehow CDC got their hands in that, even though it's not across state lines. So I want to go through some of the arguments that that I feel we could we could start pushing. One of the things that I, I think we need is a federal strategy to really go in almost every federal district. And, you know, some of them are going to continue this business of, oh, COVID, that's subject to facts, we defer. But the problem is, even if you defer at this point, CDC has said enough. Um, you know, uh, Fauci himself just admitted asymptomatic spread is very rare. Um, they themselves admit that if you're vaccinated now, you're good to go. So if you're good to go, that means that everyone's good to go because that means you're protected, even if the other guy is not vaccinated. This is stuff that needs to be fleshed out. And don't we need a major lawsuit that will force discovery? Because what bothers me is it doesn't seem like the government has ever had to show its work. (laughs) You're absolutely right, and that is is what we need. So, uh, you know, we are pursuing lawsuits, obviously, against our own state government here in Connecticut. One is a federal lawsuit I haven't mentioned yet that we just filed um, seeking to overturn the repeal of the religious exemption to mandatory school vaccinations, which just happened on April 28th uh, of this year here in Connecticut. Um, But yeah, we need to, to file lawsuits also against these agencies against the CDC and the FDA and actually dig into their records. And I agree with you and, and have them show their work. You know, what is the justification for you having issued these mandates, um, having issued this guidance? Uh, it's not really there. We know the data is flawed. You and I have talked about this, Daniel, the fact that, you know, the numbers of deaths have been hugely inflated. And this this is factual. This is true. So you'll often hear in court cases, you hear judges sometimes say, well, that's a fact issue, counselor. That's not an issue of law. That's a fact issue. In fact, it was, it was even said this past Monday in our hearing for the school mask laws that the judge said, that, that, well, that's a fact issue. That's a fact issue. But at some point, we have to get to the facts. The facts are the evidence, right? And courts are tasked with looking at the evidence. They're not just there to decide uh, questions of law. If there's a factual issue that, that, that the um, you know, case hinges upon, then obviously the court has to examine the facts, right? Um, That's why they call them triers of fact, whether that happens to be a judge or a jury, they're triers of fact, okay? So we need to put the facts, the real facts, before a trier of fact and have them examine it and make a ruling based upon that, not just based on what the talking heads say. You know, I've talked about this before. We can't just rely on the authority of the person. We have to rely on the authority of the evidence. Of the evidence. And and now, even according to their own convoluted way of thinking, we should have so many grounds for lawsuits because they have now let the cat out of the bag. They said vaccines indeed do work. Done. So 
right now, anyone who wants to be protected cannot say someone else is affected affecting them. That their lack of control over their bodily integrity, thereby engendering a need for government to control their bodily integrity, will protect someone else. No, you're done. You got it. And the fact that you have built up immunity plus the vaccines makes it clear that you can never even reach a flu threshold, a seasonal flu threshold, with you know any gaps that there are in herd immunity at this point. It's not 15 months ago. I mean, I think the time is really the biggest point that you can no longer say in a court, shut up, COVID, emergency, don't question the state. You know, that that won't fly. Now, I know there will be some judges that will always be that way, but there's got to be places we can go, and especially if we can get into the 8th and 5th federal circuits. Um, I think we need to start picking good plaintiffs. I have a lot of very active listeners, and, and you know, we first of all, we have some lawyers that would love to help as well. But also, you know, if you if you could just tell me in your view of the landscape now, what are some of the best plaintiffs that you're looking for? Well, certainly with regard to the uh, vaccines, which are you know, as I said, that's that's going to be the the largest. Um, uh, area that we're going to be bringing cases in. Uh, anyone that has a sincere religious objection to getting uh, the shot, uh, because clearly there are protections not only in local state law and in federal law, but also in the Constitution, the First Amendment to the free exercise of religion. Those are really the best plaintiffs. If you have a valid religious objection, if you just have concerns over safety, um, that's not going to be enough for you to win a case, even though those concerns are very legitimate, and a lot of people do have concerns over the safety, um, but that's not constitutionally protected, just having a concern. Um, having a sincere religious belief, a religious objection, if anyone listening has one of those and is being forced to take the shot as a condition of employment or as a condition of education, anything, um, those would be the plaintiffs we would look, be looking for. And as far as, it's not just about the right plaintiffs, it's the right defendants, too, when you're looking at a lawsuit. So anything against a government institution, because remember, private institutions are not uh, bound by the Bill of Rights like the government is. The government institutions, so the public universities, so I've had a lot of people approach me from private institutions whose kids are going to you know, these very elite private universities. They're not bound by the Constitution like a public university, like University of Connecticut, for instance, sure. here, w- would be bound by the Constitution. Um, but they are so bound by the ADA. They are, they are. But again, and, and if it's a disability claim, that's great. A lot of people who are coming to me don't have a disability claim. They have a religious objection, but they don't have a disability claim. So, yes, if they have a disability claim and they're being denied an accommodation, absolutely. They can come to uh, us and and ask about what their rights are. We can put them in touch with our attorneys. That's fine. Um, But a lot of people are coming to me. It's not for a disability. It's because they have really a religious objection or they just have concerns about the safety. Just having concerns uh, won't get us across the threshold because that's, again, not constitutionally protected or even protected in the state or federal law. But having a legitimate disability or having uh, a legitimate religious objection absolutely will get you standing in court. Um, And you're right about the, the circuits. These need to be brought in. We have to be strategic. Um, there are certain areas that obviously we've seen from the court decisions that are, are friendlier to us um, on these issues. Uh, it shouldn't be that way. It should absolutely be the same no matter where you are. But you know that's not the case with any issue. 
Sure, sure. No, that's 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 definitely the case. What about what about children? School children. Um, this is your lawsuit, but let's say you know we have listeners in better states where maybe you know I would rather a federal lawsuit. I know you're pursuing a state lawsuit, um, but you know let's say we have someone in Minnesota and they'll be in the Eighth Circuit, which which is a place we'd want to go. So what what's the best way to tee up a lawsuit like this? To me, I say, look, even if you allow that masks are amazing and they work, of course, the evidence is the reverse, but you allow for all their stuff. We now have them on record as saying that vaccines protect the people who have them. So any adult is protected. It's a mathematical fact, simple numerator denominator from CDC, that even if vaccines are 97% effective, kids are are less at risk unvaccinated than 30-year-olds vaccinated 100 times more so than 75-year-olds vaccinated. We have CDC in a working paper says blatantly that kids don't really spread it because they're most often asymptomatic, which is another admission that asymptomatic don't really spread. We have this all there. How come we don't have a big, fat federal lawsuit on the most insane thing ever done to young children in such a litigious society. Well, I mean, <laughs> a big part of it is uh, we don't have enough lawyers uh, willing to do it. Um, you know, I'm, I've been in contact with lawyers across the country, and, you know, yes, there are a, a few. There's a handful of Patriot lawyers. You, you have them in your, uh, in your listenership. However, I have talked to others who say, well, you know, I'd love to get involved. You know, I personally agree with you, but it's too controversial. My firm won't let me, things like that. I mean, we need to come together and we would love to file something like that. We would love to file a, a very large federal lawsuit against this that makes it absolutely illegal to ever do this to children again. Um, we had the evidence. Uh, we still stand firm in that we, pr we proved it. Uh, we feel that we proved it in court. The judge disagreed with us, but we feel that, that we already proved it. We had over a thousand pages of exhibits showing that masks don't work, they're not effective, and that they're harmful. We had four expert witnesses, yep. including two child psychiatrists, who were who were um, you know ready to testify. One wasn't allowed to. The other one uh, was allowed to testify on that subject, uh, but still was was discredited, was said that, you know, this, this wasn't uh, enough. That's not enough evidence. The fact that you bring a child psychiatrist who's been practicing for decades that says this is extremely harmful to a child's development, that's not good enough. Um, so uh, that was state court, though. To your point, filing in these federal, uh, you know, district courts and in the right circuits, I, I agree with you. Yeah, there, there's some strategy to that. But, um, you know, the law should be the same a a everywhere. I mean, that's what I was always taught anyway. That's how it's supposed to be applied. It should be the same, you know, regardless, but obviously different, you know, courts, different judges have different opinions. Um, but absolutely, we, we need to do that. I think your question was, how do we bring it? Well, again, the right plaintiffs. So you have a child that is experiencing these problems, that does have a disability, that's not being accommodated, that's still being forced to mask in a school setting, uh, bring a lawsuit against that school, uh, against that school district and against the uh, State Department of Education if they're involved in it, as they were here in, and they are here in Connecticut. Um, and you bring a lawsuit and you uh, make you know claims about uh, 
you know, disability discrimination. If you have a disability discrimination claim, um, sometimes now those do have to be pursued at the state level first. So the mm. local um, agency has original, you know, exclusive jurisdiction over, um, you know, those kinds of claims. So sometimes you will have to file with an agency first. Uh, if you have a local, uh, you know, civil rights agency in your state, um, that has to rule on it or, or, or give you a release before you can file in court. So there are sometimes administrative processes you have to go to before you can get to court. But no, I mean, I think uh, there's just been, uh, we haven't found uh, that, you know, lawyer that's been, you know, brave enough to do it in those areas. And um, we haven't found the right plaintiffs, I guess. I mean, sure. I, I don't really have a better explanation uh, than that. I mean, we've done it in our own little neck of the woods here because we felt it was the right thing to do. But, um, you know, we haven't had uh, we haven't had people contact us. So if there's anybody listening, uh, if there are parents in other areas of the country that aren't being allowed to send their kids to school without a mask and, and want to pursue that kind of litigation, definitely get in touch with us. We'll get you in touch with our attorneys and we'll talk about doing something. We can we can file these things anywhere. We just, um, you know, we have to get local counsel, obviously, because our attorneys aren't licensed everywhere. But we, that so far hasn't been an impediment. We've been able to find local counsel in different areas who are willing um, to do it in, in, in many areas, not everywhere. But uh, we will work as hard as we can uh, to, you know, connect you with the right attorneys who can do this and hopefully get you some funding, too, because that was the whole point of the Patriot Support Network. It wasn't just to connect potential uh, plaintiffs with attorneys, but it was also to make a donation toward their legal expenses, because that's the other thing that's holding people back from filing these. Sure. They don't have the money. You know, it, it can cost, it usually costs to see one of these lawsuits all the way through to the end, six figures or sometimes multiples of six figures. So that's the, the, the simple answer, I, probably, to your question, is that most people don't have that kind of dough. Most people don't, but, but I want to continue this discussion to the next scenario, and that's the airplanes. That's everyone. I can't imagine how there hasn't been a lawsuit on that. This is the feds, not just the state doing it. The feds always have a higher threshold to implement something than a state does. And again, with everyone vaccinated, they're saying it's not a problem anymore. How could they get away with this as low as two-year-olds? Two-year-olds that you take their temperature, they don't have anything, they're, they're never a threat to anyone to begin with, it's a threshold lower than any cold they'll ever get, and yet they're still getting away with it, and that looks like something that they're going to keep as long as they can. Is there any strategy to getting a federal case on... Perhaps because because this is not a school board. This is going to be CDC by definition. This is Biden's executive order, where we get in the TSA. The, yeah. or, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, T, TSA, TSA. That that's that's where it is, and where you get you know we we want a ruling on the merits, but also just a declaratory judgment that there is a fundamental right to breathe, and that it is part of all that genesis of cases about bodily integrity going back well over 100 years and that to the at, at a very minimum you need intermediate scrutiny if government is going to take a swing at that right like we always do how do we tee that up because like you're saying we need to do this for the future even if they get rid of 100% of the fascism now 
Right. Um, well, absolutely. Again, we need a plaintiff, uh, a plaintiff who has been denied access to board a flight um, to travel. Um, you know, to me, in my personal opinion, that's a liberty right, the right to move freely. Um, they would say you don't have a right to board a plane, but um, there's also something called equal protection of the laws, uh, the Equal Protection Clause in the 14th Amendment as well, saying that you can't treat uh, one class of persons different from another class of persons, that, you know, certainly everyone should be able to enjoy the same rights, the same privileges, immunities, everything. So um, absolutely, if there's a plaintiff out there listening, if there's someone out there listening, a person who has been denied access uh, to board a flight, um, even if they have a disability or if they have you know, some other reason uh, that they could not wear a mask or you're trying to assert breathing is just a fundamental right, um, I absolutely agree with you. Everybody should have the right to breathe freely. Um, again, the problem is what we've encountered so far is that the courts have looked at this and said, well, there's a public health emergency. Sure, sure. Uh, no, no, no. But Brian, I'm coming post-CDC saying that vaccines work and you can go to a store, you could go indoors, Fauci is saying to do it. I'm mean, saying that is happening at a federal level. You have a couple of states like yours in Connecticut that are really bad and really kind of holding on a little bit. But at a federal level, um, we're using CDC now. They are saying it's over with. So my point is, you know, and I, I, I want to get very specific here if you could help me. Do you have to, in order to get standing, do you have to have been, like, dragged off a plane? Or if I say, look, I want to bring my young son with me on a trip, I call up, pick the airline, and say, um, hey, could I do it? And I'm like, no, per pursuant to the, um, you know, the guideline, federal guideline, uh, every kid over two-year-old – two years old, still has to wear a mask, so I cannot do that. Do I have grounds for a lawsuit now? Um, not really, and uh. unless there's a disability. Again, unless there's a, a, a disability, if you say, for instance, if you change your scenario, your fact pattern, and say, I have a son who is uh, disabled and can't wear a mask because of the disability, and I have medical proof of that, and they still deny it or refuse to try to even work with you to accommodate you, uh, then yes, I'd say there's, there's grounds to take legal action. Um, no, 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 but but I'm the, saying the I'm saying they're enforcing the mask mandate universally right now. It's on everyone over two. Yes. So, um, but but again, once it's um, once you get it, that's why the vaccine I think is going to the vaccine issue is going to open up a lot more litigation because then you're treating people differently. I mentioned equal protection clause. Right now, there's not an equal protection clause violation if it's everyone yes. has to wear them. But but once it gets to the point, although you could make an age claim, I guess, that you know only people two and under are given the, given the right and everyone over that age is not. So I guess you could make that claim. But the stronger claim is once the vaccine is instituted as the predicate for you being able to board without a mask, because like you're saying, the CDC is coming out and saying, well, the vaccine's effective. You don't need to worry about masking. Okay, so, but the people that aren't vaccinated, they're going to still require them to wear a mask. What's the justification for that? Like you're saying, it's not going to, to, to meet um, probably any level of scrutiny, even rational basis. What's the justification for that? And especially if someone has a religious objection to getting vaccinated, you're saying, I don't care about your religious exemption. 
your religious objection, you still need to wear a mask and board, and you still need to be singled out. Yep. Those are that's where the, the litigation is going to come in. Yep. Right. But just a general litigation to say I have a right to breathe and you can't make me wear a mask, despite what the CDC has said, you won't have standing there. Wow. No, because what I'm saying is not to say that the airlines aren't following the guidance, like for a certain disability, and they're not letting that exception through. What I'm saying is to militate against the premise of the federal order, to say that that order is unconstitutional, that that given where we are in the pandemic and with the vaccination, um, it doesn't meet a threshold of rational basis unless you say I have absolutely no right to breathe and the government could just swing it at any time then um which well the, yeah the, the problem is it's not a well we have to attack the government's order if we're going to look at constitutionality though i mean i mean again these private airlines they're private companies they're not no exactly exactly but but what i mean is the the airline tells me there's a federal policy in place that's what they say they say they announce right. it every second so why can't i get standing to say you know, I cannot travel anywhere with my kids, and really, it's adults too. But I would, I think, with kids, you really have very strong data on just the threshold for it even being a problem, both to them transmitting it, um, and then every adult having access to vaccine. That's my question. How? Why can't? I'll tell you this much: if a, if a Republican president would have put something similar to that. Uh, that the left wouldn't know, wouldn't like, you would have had a, a lawsuit already. You would have had a lawsuit. I don't know that they would have been successful, though, because, again, I don't see I'm – tr- I'm racking my brain as you're asking me. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what the constitutional violation or the violation of federal law. The only thing I keep coming back to is, is uh, as far as federal law anyway, is the ADA or the ACAA in the case of airlines, the Air Carriers Access Act. I keep coming back to disability discrimination. Yeah. Um, I, I don't see any, unless someone has a religious objection to wearing a mask, I don't see any like First so, Amendment okay, violation. Okay, so, so that's my final thing. We're almost out of time, Brian. Um, and we're really over time, but I need to get your thoughts on this. So so this is the final frontier. Um, David Rifkin, who's really, I mean, one of the most respected Republican lawyers, you know, a guy like you or me, uh, you know, Republican establishment's not going to listen to. But a guy like Rifkin, you know, that's where your McConnell's, McCarthy's start listening to him. He writes for the Wall Street Journal very often. He has opinion piece at the Wall Street Journal basically making the argument that, look, even if masks did work, we have now reached the point where it's become a, a um, he doesn't say religious symbol, but a speech symbol, and you are compelling people to engage in a certain speech. It's kind of like saying you have to wear a BLM bumper sticker, you know, type of thing. Do you yep. think there's any angle for First Amendment lawsuits? Well, that's very interesting, and I did see that uh, that piece as well. Um, you know, it's something I hadn't considered before. I think that's probably the only way that you would get in on a First Amendment claim, uh, again, unless you had a legitimate religious objection, um, is to say that it's a violation of, of the free speech clause because you're compelling speech. We know that the, gov- that the Supreme Court has ruled that the government cannot compel, certain, cannot mandate certain types of speech or to prefer one type of speech over another, or these content-based restrictions for personal speech. Um, we know that. So if you see the mask as an, express, an expression of speech or any kind of expression, that would be covered 
um, under the First Amendment. It's a very interesting argument, and I think that's probably that's one way you might be able to get in. Uh, again, not in a suit against the airline so much, but a suit against the federal government for issuing that universal mask mandate because you see it as compelled speech. The problem is they're going to say that the motivation for the government issuing the order wasn't to compel speech but to protect public health. That's where you come back and say, yes, but there's no rational justification for that. And you can get into a back and forth about and the And Fauci's data statements, and doing- Fauci's statements that he now admitted that in a post-vaccination world, it's all theater. He said theater. Um, so that that is really where I think there's a strong case. But again, we need people to make the case. We need lawyers to make it. We need funding for it. And we need plaintiffs for it. So yeah, this is find where me a plain, find me a plaintiff and we'll explore that. Seriously, if anyone's listening who is has been again, who wants to travel, but is being denied unless they wear a mask and they want to take up that case against that federal order, have them contact me. Um, and, and we will we will look at getting something started. I think that's an interesting argument. It's creative. I hadn't. It's something I hadn't considered before I read Rifkin's piece. But sure. um, I, I, hey, I think it's worth pursuing. And I think obviously a, a good starting point is the big California union case from from uh, a few years ago. Alito's majority opinion um, that you know was a very strong opinion there, compelling speech. Uh, you know the unions had all these reasons why they felt it was necessary. And here, look, Fauci says it's theater. It's the, I mean, to me, obviously, we think the vaccine, and we've proven this, the vaccines have done nothing. I'm actually reading right now, um, both seashells and Maldives have the sharpest spread like ever in the, in the world. And both nations have vaccinated more than 50% of their population. Um, seashells is at 65%. So it's it, it doesn't work. But in their mind, again, the, the, the courts are drinking out of CDC's trough. And they're saying now it's vaccine is everything. Um, so, you know, I feel we could use it against them. But as you note, there's also the vaccine itself is going to be a tyranny problem, not just for the mask, but in and of itself. So we're going to need litigation on that. Um, folks, please send me your emails. I'll try to process them. But I need you to help. I need you to go to wethepatriotsusa.org. Um, if you're a lawyer, please try to sign up. If you are anyone, um, be willing to, you know, donate to your case or in general. We need this. No one else is doing this. The traditional organizations, um, they have a very narrow set of religious liberty that they focus on. They have not taken up COVID fascism. This has been a big problem. I mean, you know this, Brian. It's just been the church capacity I, I cases. Those or- yeah, I, I reached out to those organizations when we first started our mask lawsuit. And some of the, some of the, the major organizations that I know you're referring to, I'm not going to call them out by name, yes. but you know who they are, who, who are interested in religious liberty, but they didn't want to touch the mask issue. No, Absolutely didn't no. want to touch. And they won't touch vaccines either. No, and that's a big problem. So it's not like Brian's just saying, hey, you know, I just want to start an organization. Look, he's a successful lawyer. He could keep doing what he's doing for a living. Um, the reality is nobody's taking up this fight. It's insane. Um, and I'm getting all these emails, and no one wants to help. People can't even find attorneys. Uh, so, yes, this is a very important step. Even if things do get better and the dominoes keep keep on falling, we're going to have serious scenarios in large parts of the country, airplanes, hospitals, doctors' offices at a minimum. Uh, school children are, are not done by a long shot in most places. And then we have the future as well. We are way out of time. Send me your comments, questions, and concerns to dharowitz at blazemedia.com. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening.